This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. You tuned in to a conversation between myself and Matt Wilcock from Shotgun Mistress. The catalyst for the conversation is due to the launch of the group's debut album for Golden Robot Records. It's out right now. In addition to Shotgun Mistress, it must be said that Matt is one of Australia's preeminent extreme and heavy metal guitarist, given his work with The Berserker, Werewolves, Acre Cocker, and many more outfits. So, of course, we cover Shotgun Mistress and many other aspects of Matt's long and fruitful career. So here he is, Matt Wilcock from Shotgun Mistress. Thanks for uh, making it. I hope it's not too late for you on a weeknight. No, nah, it's all good. I've been off work for a few days. I've just been on my RDO, so it's um, I'm quite well rested. But tomorrow is back to the uh, back to the grind again. <laughs> Mate, work and RDOs. Where on earth do you find the time for work, given all of the music that you produce? <laughs> yeah, it's um, yeah, I don't know. It, it happens somehow. I, I managed to make it all happen somehow, but yeah, it's um. Yeah, usually my RDOs are sort of like th- this is the first time actually where today I've done like nothing sort of musical. But um, usually it's like every time, every seven weeks or whatever it is, I'll get a five-day period, like a five-day RDOs, and it's like, right, I've got to do this album or this album or record this or do that. So, um, yeah, no, nah, it's good. It's, um, it's, it's nice to relax for a little bit. Mm, agreed. Yeah, agreed. But uh, no doubt you're not going to rest on your laurels for too long, but you probably bloody could given the amount of releases that you've appeared on over the years. <laughs> um, I mean, this is, a, this is a fairly long introduction, but I'll, I'll kick it off anyway because yep. uh, I, I was first, of course, I've known about you for many years through uh, The Berserker and uh, Acre Cocker. But um, probably you rose to prominence in in my eyes, you know, just my ears, I should say, again, with a Bremlin and Werewolves because I love okay. that album. What a time cool. to be alive. Um, Never Enough Snuff, killer album. I had a good long chat to Tim about that album last year when it came out and yeah. um, I've mentioned Acre Cocker. Uh, you're on two killer albums from them, Words That Go Unspoken, Deeds That Go Undone, which is way back in 2005, which just feels like yesterday to me, probably a few yeah. You know, and then Antichrist in 2007. And then uh, you did a lot of stuff there with uh, The Berserker, uh, which I'll, I'll, I'll circle back to The Berserker at some point later on. But, uh, yeah. you know, uh, Antichrist Imperium, uh, the most recent album from Antichrist Imperium was in 2018 called Volume yeah. 2. Yeah, every tongue shall praise Satan indeed. <laughs> but the catalyst for our, our connection right now yeah. is um, through... Um, what you're doing with Golden Robot Records and Shotgun Mistress and the self-titled, the self-titled cool. album you got out there, which is certainly not a right left turn. I mean, it's to be expected, but it's a killer rock and roll uh, release from you in the vein of uh, it kind of reminded me, and bear with me when I say this because I know it's got a lot of negative <laughs> associations here, but it reminded me of Reload meets Helicopters. That's what I heard. Okay. Okay. No, now, no. I have no doubt you've never got that, but that's what I heard. Because uh, it got that, you, your guitar playing is very much like got that, um, It you, uh, you, you're you riffing it very junk, junk, junk. Like I can tell it's you. Right. Is what I'm saying <laughs> with your guitar playing. I'm trying to think. It's like a gate manifold that sort of slams down at the end of your playing. And it's it's present on here too, I've got to say, which I think is a glorious thing. Okay. Um, so... Did, did you have to adopt a bit of a mindset given you are a globally recognised extreme metal guitarist performing in all those bands that I just mentioned and now here you are playing raucous rock and roll? Um, you know, when when we started, like, when, when we started writing and jamming all the shotgun stuff, um, I did have a bit of a, a I, I, I thought a little bit differently about how I wanted to play like I wanted to, I wanted it to be a little bit more sort of, um, I don't know what the word is, probably just, you know, quote unquote sort of commercial almost. Hmm. But um, I guess as we were writing riffs and as we sort of were getting used to each other in the rehearsal room, we, um, well, speaking for myself, I, I reverted back a little bit towards things being a bit more sort of metal. Um hmm. I had a few, there was a few songs, I mean, you know, the, 
I wouldn't really class anything on the album as being overtly metal, but um, there were a few things that, you know, were a bit sort of strummy and a bit sort of, yeah, dare I say it, commercial. But, um, yeah, like as, as we sort of got to know each other and as, I guess, the, as the band sort of started to maybe find its sound a little bit, um, yeah. I guess my that that element of my playing sort of crept back in a little bit. It's probably just because it's it's what I like and what, what I find comfortable. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I guess you can sort of hear that maybe it's me or whatever, but it's, you know, I've, all, I've always loved rock music and I think this is probably just me trying to play rock, but just with all those, you know, yeah. years of heavy metal sort of creeping in there somehow, that's probably the best way to think about it. Yeah, that's that's such a great summary because that's exactly the conclusion that I drew. I was actually going to mention that. It's like how can you not sound the way you are? You are start again how can you sound any different you know yeah. i mean you've been playing extreme metal for so long now that it's just a part of your dna to play guitar in a certain way and and you've also answered another question that i had and there's nothing wrong with this at all I, you know there's always these these things that uh, you know musicians have where i shouldn't be writing music that has any commercial appeal it's like well fuck off mm. you know i mean you've proven yourself a hundred times over with the bands you're in if if this reaches even 10% of those people that buy airborne albums, man, I really I hope it does something good for you on that level. Cool, man. Cheers. <clears throat> so um, do you think um, that the project, or is it fair to say that the project stems from a lifetime of you playing riffs and storing riffs. And if you didn't have them written, sorry, not written, maybe written down, but stored somewhere in a cloud vault or on a tape, given you've been <laughs> doing it so long. But is this an album that you've been writing for most of your life, do you think, or is it fairly recent? Uh, it's totally recent. Um, I, I'll tell you where it sort of come from. And to be honest, I don't think I've really actually told anyone this. Uh, a few years ago, um, I went and saw Ross the Boss play in, uh, yeah. when he was in Melbourne, not the last time he was in Melbourne, I think the, the first time that he came out. And, um, you know, he, he obviously he played all that early Manowar stuff. And it was so good to see, like, a band that, you know, that early stuff, it's, it's metal, of course, but it's mm. um, it had a real, to me, it had a really, that whole night had a real sort of rock vibe. You know, it was like it was a, a real band, like, playing some real tunes and, you know, it, it just had, it had a real energy to it. And watching that, I was like, you know, well, I've always thought about playing in rock bands and, you know, doing stuff. But watching that, I was like, right, I think this is, uh, you know, this is a bit of a sign. It's like I need to sort of do something that's, you know, a little bit more, not, not quite as thought out maybe as metal bands are. You know, everything's mm-hmm. all like airtight into a click and me miles an hour and all that sort of crap. But, um yeah, so it's it's all quite recent, you know, and I just started sort of piecing together rock riffs and like I think what's happened with me over the years is, um, and this is this has come true like with werewolves as well, is you know after after playing guitar for so long, and you know I played with a bunch of different bands and a bunch of different people, mm. you know you it, it's not about writing good stuff or being good or whatever i think after doing something for that long you do kind of get good at making stuff up and like getting you know i've got a bit of a formula for how i write and how i play and all that sort of thing yep and it's not it's not particularly difficult for me to come up with riffs and songs and music you know i ain't saying that any of them are any good i'm not i'm not (laughs) trumping myself up but i am saying that like i can write stuff be a good or be a bad, whatever, that's up to whoever listens to it. But I can write stuff pretty easily. So, um, yeah, all, all the shotgun stuff, it's literally only as old as, it's only a few years old, and I hadn't really written much in the way of rock music prior to that. I always listen to stuff, you know, always listen mm-hmm. to Guns N' Roses, ACDC, Motorhead, and I guess more commercially maybe Queens of the Stone Age. <laughs> And, uh, you know, older stuff as well and, you know, newer stuff from time to time. But um, so the, the influence has always been there. But, yeah, I've just all this stuff's kind of new and, you know, it's new and it's quite exciting, I guess, because it is, you know, pretty new. So, yeah. 
What about when you were selecting musicians? I mean, somebody at your level, can, you can pretty much work with whoever you want at this point. And it's just about whether or not they're available or not. Real, realistically, I mean, given your resume, seriously, there's very few people, whether it's just, whether it's in Australia or in the US, who have a resume that you've got. But you can pretty much pick who you want to work with. So what were you looking for in fellow collaborators? Um, I guess the usual thing of uh, just sort of, I mean, you know, obviously a bit of talent, but um, more importantly, almost, just ded- dedication. You know, people that just are willing to do something like by no means, you know, do you need to have the best players in the world, but you do need to have someone that turns up and just puts in the work, you know, like if someone that it's much more important to have someone that's, you know, pretty good at what they do and they actually work at improving and they turn up for rehearsals as opposed to having someone that's, you know, killer that doesn't fucking turn up or doesn't learn their parts, you know, and then you're just wasting your time then. So, um, yeah, you know, like the, the guys that are in the band, like I've known all of them individually over the years. Um, I've played with all of them. They haven't played with each other prior to this, but I know them all. I've, I've known them sort of personally over the years for quite some time. So, yeah, that's that's how it came about, you know. Glenn's a great singer. Um, Dave's a great drummer. I've played, you know, metal stuff with Ben before. Mm. And I, I had a feeling it would work, you know, and it would be cool. So that's that's how we all sort of got together. And everyone's cool. Everyone gets along, which is also really important. And, yeah, so it's, you know, fortunately it's all fallen into place pretty well, which is good. Yeah. Yeah, I like how the press states that Glenn Patrick works is in a band or wasn't a band called Collegians, which uh, features members of Pseudo Echo. I love how that uh, that cosine is in there because I lo- I got to be honest with you, man, I love Pseudo Echo. Okay, <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, they're, they're still doing stuff. Um, I think they spend a lot more time writing as opposed to to playing, but um, yeah, they're, they're they're still active, so to speak. The band from our youth, though, aren't they? You know, with Funky Town <laughs> and uh, Beat for You and all of that stuff. And I see, I play covers. I've played all of that material. Yeah. And, and so I get to see. And I know Queensland's a bit different. You're in Victoria, aren't you? Yeah. 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 Um, I know it's a bit of a different. We're a rock place, so rock is rock and oldies. You know, that's mm. stuff. And um, I've seen people run from the other side of a room to get on the dance floor when we start playing Funky Town, you know. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I, I know the impact that it, that it has. And, you know, we're, we're, we're all dags at heart, I think, ultimately, when we hear our favourite tunes from when we're eight or nine years of age, I think. I think it's just sort of the way, way yeah. we are. But what, what about you guys just, you know, COVID lockdowns aside, is, is there the intention to perform live? Yeah, 100%. Um, we've got, yeah, you know, obviously everything's, been up and down and just a mess, you know, over the last 12 months or so. Uh, we've got a bunch of shows booked in with uh, Electric Mary, like around Oz. Um, the nearest ones being uh, early August in Perth and Adelaide. And they're, they're looking pretty promising, but, you know, who fucking knows? And then the week after that is meant to be Sydney, and that's, you know, looking pretty, pretty bleak at the moment. So, and we, we've yeah. just had a few shows cancelled and I think there's another one that's cancelled because we've got, it's meant to be with some guys from Queensland actually and I don't know whether the fucking borders are closed or open or whatever. But, yeah, it's, you know, obviously it's messed up everyone. It's messed up people work, you know, their life. Um, so while I'm pretty annoyed at the whole thing, you know, I could be thankful at least that both me and... Me and the missus are still working, which is good. And, you know, some people lost their jobs. So it's it's pretty boring not to be playing shows, but at the same time, you know, there's people that are mm. in a pretty poor position in life at the moment. So, yeah, that's sort of the way that is. Yeah, I talk about COVID a lot in the podcast, actually, and I'm extremely cynical about the lockdowns, I must say. I think up mm. until recently, Sydney had it right with surgical lockdowns, lockdown municipalities, local yep. LGAs. But this whole thing about locking down millions of people at a time, like you guys had to go through 112 days. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, for God's sakes, you know. Yeah, and, you know, then, the, the, like, you know, everyone's got, everyone's got an opinion about this whole thing and how it's been managed and what it means and all the rest of it. And, I, you know, I've watched a lot of 
you know, I watch a lot of sort of podcasts by, you know, pretty educated individuals that are, mm. um, you know, that are talking about both sides of the argument and just the way everything's been handled. And, you know, like I'm, I'm just a bloody heavy metal guitarist, so I haven't really got much to bring to the table. But, the, you know, the one thing I'd say is uh, no one seems to give a shit about people's like, you know, they, they lock things down and it's like, fuck it, a lot of people are really struggling mentally. Like yeah. I'm, you know, I'm pretty fairly stable and I've been working the whole time and it's there's been times where it's fucking annoyed me you know, it's, it's, and when they did the recent lockdowns again, you know, all the gyms closed and all the shops closed and all that, you know, it's, you're just back into that sort of state of despair again. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are struggling, you know, like really struggling. And I don't know, when, you know, when you see the numbers and the deaths and all that, like, you know, obviously deaths are a horrible thing, but I don't know, there's been one death this year, I think. And it's horrible, but I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not qualified to to talk about it, really. But it is pretty. But you're a citizen. You've got to live through it, like we all do. So you're entitled to have an opinion on that basis. And and I'm mm. just feel the same way. And my ultimate view is that if you have a comorbidity, if you're elderly, stay away. For the rest of us, we've got to get out there and businesses still need to run. I was reading a horrendous report about the amount of businesses, small businesses in Melbourne, CBD in particular, yep. that not are, are failing, have failed. So past yeah. tense. And, and these are people that there's no insurance for a business failing. You don't, you know, it's not like you can claim against COVID. It, it doesn't yeah. exist. You know, and, and this whole drive, and, and I'm absolutely – Absolutely not a conspiracy theorist or anything like that. I look at the. I'm a journalist. Okay, I've, I've got the qualifications to be a journalist, and I've written for mm. News Limited. Um, but I'm data driven, and this is this is the issue when you're data driven. You you use the data to reach conclusions about which way to go. And I can tell you, the government isn't using the data to reach conclusions. They're doing, and this is what's so cynical about your part of the world. It was recently uh, uncovered that Dan had spent two million dollars on a research agency gauging public opinion on his leadership through the lockdown, which of course, as you know, was very favorable when it started. And now it started to ebb away. But mate, they're, they're, they're populist leaders, these fuckwits. They're yeah. not governing, they're populist leaders. They're reacting to what's going to get them reelected. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I have sort of, I wouldn't say arguments, but I, I have, maybe heated discussions with people from time to time. Mm. And, you know, the one the one thing I'll sort of say is, you know, the, the government, you know, they've been lying to people for a long time. It's like, why on earth would they be telling the truth now? Mm. You know? Yeah, very true. So, yeah. I don't know. You know, it's, there's, like I say, there's, I've got my own opinion about how things are running and what they're doing, but, yeah, I, it, it, you know, it's 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 a shit situation and with any luck maybe there might be a some sort of other side to it that will come out at some point but yeah we, we can only hope can't we we yeah. can only hope that it's not a zero-sum game because if it's constantly about having no cases and no cases of community transmission then mm. we're That's never going to get out of this yeah no never you know so yeah. You know, but but just talking about the music again and pivoting back to that. So um, obviously, I found out about you guys through I'm on John's mailing list, and uh, I've spoken to Mark. I think I actually spoke to Mark Mark Alexander ever. Sorry about, yeah. about you guys. I think. Um, okay. So how did you how did you meet Mark? Uh, we sent off a bunch of when we did the album, which is seems like forever ago now. Uh, we we sent off um, like press kits to um, you know like a few different labels. And um, it, it, it's a bit weird because it's, for me, it's it's a little bit uncharted territory because, you know, if it was like a metal album, then I might have had a bit more of a, like a, a bit more knowledge about what to do. But because it's sort of something new, it was like asking a few people about opinions on labels and who to approach and this, that, the other. But, um, yeah, so we sent the press kit off to a few different places, got a few sort of bites and nibbles I guess but um the most positive response was from Mark himself uh he had heard it um which I think from memory he said he doesn't usually 
necessarily hear the things like hear the the stuff that people send in. Like he's got you know yeah. a team of people or whatever that will. Yeah, um, he said that. Yeah, yeah, it's really yeah. So he, yeah. he uh, sort of accidentally, if you will, heard heard some of the songs and was uh, was into it. So we started a communication, and yeah, it was. I think we I think we both just took it a bit slowly. Um, you know, like they they put out a few singles to sort of test the water and. You know, we sort of went along with it, and I think I think for um, both uh, like Golden Robot or you know Crusader, which is through yeah, yeah. and uh, and us, I think it was a little bit testing the waters and just sort of seeing how each other operated. But I think it's I think it's been positive for for both parties concerned, and um, yeah. So after the initial singles, uh, they said, "Yeah, cool, we'll, we'll do an album," and. It's taken a while, which is, it's been a bit frustrating, but at the same time, you know, the world's changed since we, uh, <laughs> since we made first contact with them. So yeah, it's, um, album's out on Friday and it's been a, it's been a long sort of haul to get there, but yeah, I think things are looking good. You know, I think, I think they're happy with us and we, we're pretty happy with them and hopefully things will carry on the sort of the way, the way they are, which is good. Educate me here on this then, because I didn't ask Mark this, but but how does it work? Do they do they give you access to the, to the distribution channels effectively? But you do all the marketing yourself and the social media side of things. Um, you're speaking to the wrong person. Like I said, I did say earlier, I'm just a just a caveman, heavy metal guitarist. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we're very fortunate actually, because uh, Glenn, the singer Glenn, he's um, he's very clued up in the uh, sort of. Uh, promotional sort of world in in Oz, particularly with radio. So uh, he's, I think he's in collaboration with them has done quite a bit of uh, sort of press and promo in Oz and they've handled the the label of sort of they've put their focus more overseas with the press and promo over Mm -hmm. there. So, um, yeah, we've like, we've done a bit and um, they've done a bit. I think basically sort of a, a team effort which is seems to have worked well, so that's good. Mm. Now, just talking about your boundless creativity again, um, and <laughs> you you mentioned that that it's fairly easy for you to write songs. I can kind of understand where you're coming from when you say that, okay? Because I can hear that it's easy for you to write songs. <laughs> I mean, obviously it is because there's but there's there's not really I can't I haven't heard anything which from you which I've gone, yeah, maybe not. You know, it's you, everything you've done is imbued with some quality it must be said so it 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 must be you must be one of the only people i've spoken to and god knows i've spoken to almost 650 at this point where it's actually easier for somebody like you to have multiple bands than it is to just focus on one um i guess so um it might i've written i've done a lot of stuff over this sort of covid period um i think you know i think the problem is when it comes to writing music and being maybe in multiple bands, it's not so much the writing that's the problem or even, you know, playing the music. It's more, it's more the time that's taken up with like, you know, if theoretically, let's say you're in three bands and if each band happens to rehearse once a week, you know, and then you work and you do this, all the rest of it, all of a sudden all your time's taken up. Mm. So I guess over this, over this period of, um, you know, lockdowns and all that sort of business um you know it's it's not been difficult to just write music and record it and like I'm quite sort of fortunate in the sense that I've got somewhat of a studio set up so it's pretty easy for me to just quickly do something like if I've got an idea like I'll, I'll you know I'll even just I'll be watching tv and if I've got I'll just come up with a few riffs and it's like, right, get my phone, just video myself playing them just quickly, just so they're there, just yeah, yeah. no chance of forgetting them. And then the next available moment, I'll quickly just record them into Pro Tools and then it's like, right, that's there. And then build upon it as and when I've got time. So I think, um, yeah, I, I, my creativity may not be quite so um, full on if I was rehearsing and gigging all the time, mm. but um yeah, I guess over this period, it's um, I've had plenty of time to just write music, <laughs> write and record. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. How, how do you file everything then, just by date? Um, I don't know, just band names. I give everything a silly name and then it's like, oh, yeah. that song or this song. And 
yeah, I have a folder for this band and a folder for that band and, you know, I'll just, just make a demo of it and keep it on my phone or yeah, whatever. Yeah. I'm not an IT person either. <laughs> <laughs> you, you must have hundreds of riffs and song ideas just in the vault then. Yeah, I've got drives full of albums and demos and master Shit. pages. And, yeah. you know, I've, got, I've got everything backed up several times because one day my computer's going to break and then I don't want everything to vanish. So oh God, yeah. it's, it's all there. It's all saved, touch wood, and uh, mm. hopefully it'll stay around for a little while. <laughs> one trick I've got is I'll... Um, if I'm recording something, uh, I've done this a lot for werewolves. Is uh, as soon as I do it, I'll send it off to someone else. So like, oh yeah, Joe, yeah. Joe who mixes our albums. Like as soon as I've got the guitars done, quick, get rid of them. That way, it's someone else's problem. It doesn't matter if I lose them. So <laughs> <laughs> on his head, then yeah, gotcha. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. So uh, just I just want to talk about the Berserker because uh, I don't know whether this is the case or not, and I haven't I haven't seen anything otherwise. But I was just on Encyclopedia Italian before we, our call, and I noticed that it, it said that the band had, like it said, two thousand. You know, had the original dates that you guys were together, and then it had a, another bracket in two thousand and twenty dash, meaning it sounds like as though you guys are back together again. Is that the case? Uh, not. It's it's a bit of a weird one. So that. At that time, and we all sort of got together and decided to do something else, um, COVID happened and that really messed a few of the guys up. Uh, mm-hmm. And also at that, so we, we did a bit of stuff. We wrote a few riffs and got a few songs together and stuff like that. But COVID made a mess of a couple of people's lives, um, you know, just loss of work and all that sort of business. Yeah, yeah. And at the same time, uh, werewolves sort of took off. So I sort of bowed out of the whole Berserker thing. I mean, nothing was happening at the time. There was um, there was a few songs, but there was, you know, Sam and there's there's a few other guys sort of on the case at the time. So I've actually bowed out of it. Um, I've uh-huh. not, you know, it, it, my 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 time limits sort of reached its sort of pinnacle. I couldn't I couldn't really contribute, and there was mm. it sort of came to a bit of a grinding halt. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what the plans or what they're doing at the moment are though but um yeah I, i'm sort of not not really involved in it i've contributed a few bits and pieces but uh, as it stands i'm not i'm not doing anything with them at the moment yeah fair enough yeah what what about acre cocker then is that is that band still an ongoing concern even even if you're over here and not in the uk anymore uh so i'm not playing with them i left them quite some time ago yeah, yeah, I knew that. But do you, are they? Are they? I can't look. I probably should have done a bit more research about this one here. Acrecocker <laughs> seemed like a band that was going to take over the world there for about eighteen months. I, um, I, you know what? You know what I mean, though, don't you? I mean, yeah. Terrorizer and all those magazines were all over you, and then yeah, it just seemed was, like a boof. Yeah, there was there was quite the sort of upwards trajectory with that band. Um, I don't entirely know what happened. I mean, I so I. When I joined them, that we did that the words album, and that was it was very successful. Um, I think the main problem. Sorry, I'll come back. It's, uh, nah, yeah, it's all good. bloody EOS <laughs> software. Yeah. Does it on um, a half an hour market every time? <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, I think the problem with that band is they never really got out and toured as much as. It, it's it's a bit weird because it's um because it's such a peculiar kind of music that they did. Like it's um it's very British, you know, and mm-hmm. I think that they, they, they did very well in Britain, but um, and they went to the states. I never went to the states with them though, but um, yeah, I, I get the feeling if they had have pushed and toured a bit more, it may have sort of carried on, but you know, I think just life and people's sort of commitments and mortgages and children and you know just just the general things that happen throughout life sort of maybe made that sort of stuff a little bit difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it, to me, it just sort of, they, they kind of just, uh, you know, it, it, it kind of just died off a little bit. And I, I, at the point, at the time, I was quite sort of keen to sort of keep writing music and doing stuff. So it, it just sort of came time for me to sort of depart from those guys. They're all, they're all really cool guys and, you know, very happy to have played with them and to know them and to still be making music with um with Dave. Yeah. Um 
Yeah, but they, yeah, it's it's a weird one because yeah, I think they were they were very much sort of on an upwards trajectory, and then it just never quite sort of never quite happened, which is a yeah, it's a bit of a shame, you know. It's one of those things, I guess, with music. Yeah, it was that era before. I always call it pre-smartphone and you know post-smartphone. You know, two thousand and seven. You know that that line in the sand when social media yeah. was beamed into our. You know, social media was right here all the time. Yeah, right. And that that changed everything. I think that's the demarcation point we've got. And I think Acococker were one of those bands that could have taken over the world pre-smartphone and then continued the momentum onwards in the mm. in the same way that like Cradle of Filth or bands like that that had well and truly established themselves. I think I could be wrong, it's certainly my opinion, of course, but Acococker were one of the last bands that had that that opportunity. So you the band was signed to Earache as well from memory. Yeah, yeah. So did you have to did you have any dealings with Al? I know he, he might have been in the US by then, but did you have to um, deal with Alan Dig? Uh, not, not so much. I'd met, I'd met, uh, I'd met them both like several times. I met Al in the, in the States actually a few years prior to that. Um, which is kind of cool cause, uh, I, I didn't know he was Australian until I met him, which is, um, <laughs> which is cool. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we, we, we'd sort of met Dig and had dealings with Dig. I mean, I don't want to go into it too much, but there was, you know, there's the Eric have got, had a bit of a reputation about, you know, I mean, it's Napalm Death made no secret of, you know, of some of the issues that they had with Earache, as well as other bands. So, um, yeah, Mortis yeah, didn't th- pull any punches with me. Let me tell you what he yeah, told me. Right. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So there, there were some issues in relation to when we did the Antichrist album. There was some, yeah, some sort of, I guess, I guess money troubles is maybe the best way to put it. Um, yeah. miscommunications, etc. So, yeah, you know, I, yeah, it's it's a weird one. Like I was, I didn't, I wasn't on the on the contract for um, the Berserker, and I, I was I was written into the contract for the for Akakaka, but you know, things were on maybe things were on a bit of a downward sort of slope at that point. Mm. But yeah, I, you know. As far as the rest of those guys go, I know they're not fans of <laughs> not fans of Eric. I'm sure they won't mind me saying that. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Look, you got to, you got to express. Look, thing about podcasting, it's open platform, which means that you you're just expressing an opinion. Therefore, it's your own. You your opinion is your own intellectual property. At the end of the mm-hmm. day, you know. And God knows, I've had all sorts of things said on the podcast about people who apparently try to bathe themselves in glory, but are anything should be doing anything but and look i'll be frank yeah i mean i i some of the things that i've heard even with artists because as i say i've interviewed so many uh so many musicians that have been signed to earache and that have asked me not to air things which of course i'll never do if someone asks me not to wear things but it's just all been a shit sandwich a lot yeah. of the time and it's never positive and and al seems like such a nice guy too from from what he's doing on the uh, instagram stories have you seen yeah, him? Right. where he yeah. answers fan questions and he seems like he's in touch it just uh, there seems to be this disconnect between the band's experience and the label's public image yeah well i don't know i mean you know what are they doing now they're like a they're a rock label now aren't they Blackberry smoke and all that shit. Yeah, yeah that's I mean, where they're going. Yeah. Shotgun, we, did, we didn't approach them. Um, actually, a friend of mine recommended, he goes, why don't you get in touch with the guy at Earache? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I know I know him, but uh, I don't think it's, Pro- probably, it's not. probably not appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a wise move, I don't think. So we, did, we didn't go down that path. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With... Um, a Bremelin too. I mean, that never never enough snuff albums. An absolute ball terror. That's uh, very few bands uh, come back after that kind of a layoff. It's about twenty years, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe oh no, 2011, 10 years, maybe. Whatever. Oh, it's a long. Whatever it is, is a long time. <laughs> but but you, I think we're of the similar vintage. And a Bremelin to me were always that band from Victoria. You know, like the band that you were always fit, like a lot of quality, and Tim's a lovely guy too, uh, based on my conversation with him. So, yep. w- was that something you were drawn to do again? You know, yourself um, was it? Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I the first sort of, I guess they were like the first sort of, you know, quote unquote proper band that I played with. Like I, you know, when I first joined joined them, 
I don't know, it was so fucking long ago, man. It was like a child at the time. It was amazing. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, so that, like, I'd played in bands in school and all that sort of shit. But um, so they were, like, the first, you know, proper band that I played with. Like, the first band that, you know, we we did the bloody Cradle of Filth supports and we yeah. got on a plane and we did this and we did that. And it was all very exciting. Um, and then from there I went on to the Berserker and then I moved over to the UK and blah, blah, blah. And, um, yeah, it, it is I, – I never really would have imagined that it would have happened again, you know. Like, um, so when I, when I came back and I think it was, like, it was Rob that got in touch with me first. I mean, I, you know, expected him, like, over the years, you know, like he's been to London with when he was playing with the Amenta and, uh, you know, I went and saw mm-hmm. him, like, a, when we came back to Oz and all the rest of it. But, um, yeah, so it was Rob that touched base and – we, it was basically him that got us all in the same room, and it was it was a pretty sort of special special thing to sort of make it happen again, you know. And um, yeah, to, to to do an album was great. Like, um, I you know, I guess I never really would have thought it would have happened, and it, it it took a long time to happen, you know. But um, yeah, it's good. Like, it, it's cool because like me and like me and Dave, like Dave Haley, yeah. You know, we're, we're sort of the young, the younger guys in that band. And the thing, the thing with that is that we both, as teenagers, loved a Bremelin. So it's pretty cool that we sort of finally, finally, you know, <laughs> however many years later, got onto an Bremelin album. And it's uh, it's a pretty well received album as well, which is good. So yeah, it's 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 quite rewarding. You know, it's great to sort of have the vinyl and go, wow, you know, it, it happened. A little bit, a little bit later than I originally had hoped, but I'm probably a better guitarist now than I was back then. So it all worked out in the end. <laughs> nice, yeah, yeah. You, you got a very strong working relationship there with Dave Haley, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. We've got, we've done a bunch of stuff, and yeah, we've got, we've got other stuff on the boil. So it's good, you know. He's, um, he's obviously a very hardworking and very talented individual. So it's kind of good to be you know, involved with someone like that, you know, people, it's across the board, you know, there's, there's a few people in the, in my sort of music world that I play with, shotgun guys included, that, um, you know, that just don't fuck around. They just get the job done. So yeah. he's nice definitely one of them, which is, which is really good. Yeah. What, what, what would you say has been your greatest challenge? Because you have lived on two continents and been able to do this and, and discuss so many of the bands that you've been a part of. I know there are many more, but uh, if you were, if you had to choose the greatest challenge or obstacle you've you've overcome, what would it be? Um, that's a bit of a it's a bit of a weird one. Um, I guess just the whole thing, like when I. I was quite a bit younger, but when I sort of decided to go to um, to move to the UK, probably just the the initial period of sort of arriving there and settling in and getting a job and you know, mm. like I bought my I bought a one way flight to go there um, before I even got the Akuhaka gig, so I sort of oh wow you know, okay yeah, yeah so it's it's funny like you know when when you're really younger you can do these sorts of silly things but um i yeah so i i just decided one day i was like right fuck this i'm gonna i'm gonna you know because i had dual citizenship i was like right i'll go to england you know i I enjoyed my time there when i'd been on tour there before so i was like fuck it i'll just um you know i've sort of i kind of felt that i'd i couldn't get much further in oz at the time yeah um you know not that there was you know not that there was wasn't the opportunity to do so but just maybe me and what I was doing at the time I was a bit sort of maybe I was a bit stuck mm-hmm. so um yeah so off I went and before I left Oz I'd been in touch with those guys with the act guys um because we had like a mutual friend who my who I actually stayed with for the for, for a few months whilst living when I first arrived in the UK but yeah when I sort of got there <laughs> You know, I'll never forget it because I left Oz on like a fucking 35-degree day and I arrived at Heathrow with a backpack, um, you know, pack full of clothes and shit and two guitars. It was fucking snowing. <laughs> and Jeez. I'm like, 
you know, when you touch down somewhere on the plane, they tell you the, the time and the temperature, and it was it was zero degrees. I was like, fucking hell, what have I oh, done? God. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, in that first sort of week, there was a couple of times that I sort of was like laying in this sort of blow up mattress thing in my mate's sort of spare room. And, um, you know, I think I I'd, I'd fucking worked hard and I'd saved like the equivalent of 1,400 quid, which is, mm. you know, it's, it's not all that. And after the sort of the first weekend out, that was down to about 1,100 quid. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Yep. <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> but um, so I, maybe just the sort of the, uh, you know, the sort of the, the, the mental part of that, you know, yep. has been a bit of a thing. I've not really, I've said before to people, like I've never really had any sort of major problems with people or situations or whatever, you know, like there's, there's been, there's been issues in my travels and all that sort of stuff, but you know, none of it's like, none of it's been overly sort of eventful, I guess, you know? Um, so it, it's just more about maybe mental things like over the years, like, been away from home for like the first tours that I did overseas were away for like six months or nearly six months. And, um, you know, there's a couple of times in that period where it's like, bloody hell, like this is, you know, it's sort of homesickness and all that sort of stuff. So it's, yeah. I guess, I guess maybe some of the mental, the mental challenges over the years, that sort of stuff. But, um, yeah, I, I guess overall it's been a, a fairly smooth ride. So far, <laughs> touch wood. No, good on you. Yeah. So, so on that note, the transverse question would be: Do, do you obviously? I mean, I sincerely hope there's greater success for you ahead, particularly with what you're doing here um, with uh, Shotgun Mistress. But if you could describe a a high watermark for you thus far, what would it be? Uh, like a like an like an achievement with, with shotgun. Yeah, yeah. Or not so much with shotgun. Just I mean, as I say, you've done a lot over your career, and so there's got to be a career highlight. What would you? What do you think it is? Um, I guess there's been a bunch of shows, and there's there's a bunch of memorable shows that I've played over the years. Um, mm. and they ain't necessarily like you know the festivals in front of thousands of people or whatever. Um. It could just be like for a long time. I always remembered playing with uh, a Bremlin in Brisbane for the Cradle of Filth support. Like mm-hmm. it's a fucking long time ago, but that show was just yeah, it was an incredible show, you know. So that's always stuck with me. And there's been a bunch of things like that, you know. A lot of this, some of them have been festivals like big shows. Some of them have just been small sort of club shows or whatever. Yeah. So that's you know that's. That's always stayed with me, um, you know. Like, just it's it's always rewarding. I always really enjoy the sort of final process, the final steps of making an album. Mm-hmm. So, like, um, you know, like it, the, we, we've done three Werewolves albums, and there's another little surprise with that as well. But <laughs> you know, so over the last you know couple of years, whatever it's been, uh, we've had that buzz of getting an, like a, a new album sort of like mm-hmm. three times. And it's, you know, like let's say it's a month when it's it's all taken shape and it's all sounding good and it's getting better and better and the mix is improving and it's sounding bigger and all that sort of shit. Mm. So that, you know, that's I find that quite rewarding. And, um, you know, it's it's happening more and more these days because they just seem to be doing more and more albums, you know, yeah. with the Abramlin <laughs> one, bloody werewolves and, you know, all the rest of it, the shotgun. Yeah. So it's it is quite it's quite sort of um, it's quite rewarding just to have an album that's completed. You know, it's a real sense of achievement to do something like that. So I, you know, I guess over the years it's just a combination of really good tours or shows or festival appearances or whatever, and then also just making albums. You know, they're the they're the highlights for me anyway. Yeah, yeah, the consistent side of things. Yeah, do, do you get a lot of younger musicians approaching you for advice um <laughs> occasionally you know usually just guitar people that might ask where i'm yeah. playing or whatever um yeah you know it's better uh, I've, I've taught guitar in the past so i can offer sort of you know the the guitar nerd sort of advice to people here and there but yeah. um 
yeah, that's, I guess, happens from time to time, which is cool. I'm more than happy to talk guitar shit with people, so that's all good. Mm. But I think you're doing it in a way, given all the bands that you're in, you've been doing it for as long as what you are, but we've already well established that you've got a day job still. And so <laughs> it's we're not, we're not saying, what, what I'm not saying to people is that it's not possible, but you have to have multiple irons in the fire and you experience varying degrees of success. You know, this. remember when we were kids, right, you know, I, I always wanted to be uh, like Billy Gould from Faith No More, you know, you, know, right. you pick your guy, you know, and, and you think, fuck, if I could do that. And But the thing is you, you've got to basically be Mike Patton, Mike Borden, Roddy Bottom, Jim Martin and, yep. you know, Trace Bruins as well to sort of add. You've you got to do everything, haven't you, in order to sort yeah. of not even guarantee success but just to be in, in the moment. And, and it's funny how I've, I've taken like – I'm only saying this so as a people at this, I'm just sort of bringing it full circle for people, um, that what I'm doing these days in the media, I'm doing everything myself from the podcasting through to the writing, through to the photography, through to the video, through to all of the news media stuff, through to the I'm ghostwriting for other people. Like I finally got to a point where I can apply what I learned from trying to be a full-time musician, yep. which is that you've got to do everything yourself. And it sounds like you've come to a pretty similar conclusion via the way you're leading your life. Yeah, um, it's it's funny. Like I've over the years, I've sort of I've never seriously toyed with the idea, but I have thought to myself about you know the possibility of being like a, like a full time sort of muser, mm. you know, doing do, trying to sort of make ends meet purely by music. And I think about it for a while, then I talk myself out of it, and I think about it, and then I think, oh, I don't want to, you know, like. For example, like, you know, if I was to teach guitar and if I was to play in a cover band and if I was to do this and I was to do that, and maybe if I was to work in studios as like an engineer or something, you know, you could sort of make ends meet. But I, I taught myself out of it because, A, I don't really want to play music that I don't like, you know. Like I'd much rather sort of just... <laughs> go to work, you know, which you know, I don't, I don't, you know, my, I've got a job and it pays well and I'm happy and, but, you know, it, everyone's got a job. Everyone needs a job, whether they like it or not. Mm. Um, but the thing with music for me is it's it's entirely a passionate thing. So everything I do, I love doing. Um, you know, I've taught myself, well, I used to work in studios, like just a Pro Tools engineer. I've taught guitar on the side whilst having other jobs. So there's been times throughout my life where I've done, you know, more music-related stuff as a job. Mm. But, you know, and, and, and all that has put me in good stead for nowadays because it's like, you know, nowadays everyone does their own sort of recording and stuff. Like most guitarists will do their parts at home and then take it to a studio to reamp it. A lot of singers will have a small studio set up and they can do their own vocals. So it, it's good to be sort of, I guess, after this many years to be sort of somewhat self-sufficient with all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, like I'm, I'm not the, the brightest person when it comes to like sort of internet and social media and all that sort of stuff. But obviously you've got to have a social media presence and you've got to know, you know, you've got to be on it with Instagram and Facebook and all that shit, which, you know, like I get it and I can do it to an extent, but I, I don't know, I really like it. But if you want to be sort of, you've got to be out there like all the time and content and channels and YouTube and all these different fucking platforms and that. So, you know, it's good to have, maybe someone in the band in a band that can do all that sort of stuff. And then if you've got someone in the band that's like an audio engineer, they're brilliant, you know. And if you've got someone that can act as promoter and call the venues and book the tours and all that sort of business, then, you know, that's great. But I guess, you know, going back like when I was a kid maybe, um, you know, you couldn't do that sort of stuff, you know. No one had fucking Pro Tools at home and, yeah. You know, no one had like like a vocal booth that they could do their own vocals in. And, you know, times have changed. Like some for the worse and some for some for the better. So it's 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 nice to be able to keep a lot of it in house. You know, to be able to make your own albums and do what you want, and not to be too far in the red money wise. So yeah, it sort of opens opens things up a bit for people, I guess. You know, mm. which is good. 
Mate, great note to end on. Uh, be, be, before I let you go, um, a shotgun mistress, okay, so um, look, I always say this on a podcast, you know, you can stream your music and that's one thing and you'll get, you know, four-fifths of fuck all in the in the scent <laughs> uh, as a band, but if you buy the product, you'll support the band directly. The money will go directly to the group. So have, have you got physical product and where people where can people pick it up from, you know, online, I mean? Cool. So we've got... Um... We've got our own shop, which is you can quite easily access either through uh, Shotgun Mistress Facebook or Instagram or .com.au or probably Twitter, but I'm not too au fait with that. But I think everyone, you know, everyone in the world's got Facebook. So if you search for Shotgun Mistress on Facebook, there's uh, plenty of links to we've got CDs out, which are on pre-order now which will probably be, well, they've been to, some of them have been dispatched already because the release day is Friday. Mm-hmm. So we've got albums uh, and we've got a whole lot of T-shirts and bits and bobs. So if anyone wants to support us and help us out because, um, you know, everyone needs a bit of help in this day and age, then that would be really cool to go via there and, you know, buy an album or buy a T-shirt. And uh, in turn, when we come and play, we'll buy your beer. <laughs> <laughs> Well, killer material, uh, everything you do is imbued with with quality, uh, Matt. So congratulations on just a stellar career today. Cool, man. And, Cheers. And I look forward to just seeing what you come up with next, for you, be it via be it Werewolves, which I thought was one of the albums of last year, I've got to say. Um, cool, man. And um, just, just what you're doing here, um, you know, with the rock stuff with Shotgun Mistress, man, just please keep on playing that guitar, man, because people, uh, you're giving a lot of joy to people by doing that. Nice. Thank you very much, man. That's really nice of you to say. No worries, brother. All right. Well, thanks heaps for the chat. Appreciate it. Cool. Cheers. Take it easy. Thanks, man. So there you go. My conversation with Matt Wilcock from Shotgun Mistress, Werewolves, Acre Cocker, so many others. The Bremelin. We talked all about it throughout the conversation. So I hope you enjoyed it. Because if you did, there's plenty more just like it over at scarsandguitars.com. My new website will be launched sometime soon, given today's date is Saturday, 17th of July, 2021. Thanks for the support, the ways in which you can uh, show me some love. And I hate doing this, guys. I know that putting this fucking bumper on and asking you to like, subscribe, share, and make comments and stuff, it's a pain in the ass, and literally nobody listens. And I don't blame you because I don't either. But if I don't say it, I'm not asking for it. So there you go. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and I host the Scars and Guitars podcast series. I hope you enjoy what I do, because I love doing it. Thank you for tuning in.